Welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today, it is Friday, May 20th already, 2016. Coming to you from Mutiny Radio here in the Mission District of San Francisco. Uh, yesterday was quite a, a day in San Francisco. The police murdered uh, an unarmed woman in the Bayview District. And the mayor finally uh, asked uh, Chief Sir to resign. And this is something that the community and many, many San Franciscans have been demanding for a very long time. And it took another loss of life for the mayor to step up and do something about it. Um, He was defending the mayor. Uh, The mayor was defending the chief even days ago. And there are still some members of the Board of Supervisors who were defending the chief Um, and really not listening to the community. And uh, it's pretty disgusting that so many people have had to lose their lives uh, before people who are able to say something actually do. And that's, it's, I think there's some, there's relief in that the chief has stepped down and there's quite a lot of anger that it has taken this long and that all of this violence has happened uh, in order for the, the mayor to do something about it. And a lot of folks are still calling for the mayor to step down and for the police force to be reformed, if not completely abolished. And I, I do stand behind that because I do feel like it's a systemic problem. And to an extent, uh, when you have these systems in place that serve to harm people and cause more damage than good, when the majority of the citizens are afraid of servants who are supposed to serve and protect uh, what does that mean? And to a degree, doesn't? Yes, there can be reforms that are made, and there can be problem officers who are removed. But I feel like the whole system is problematic, and that's not just with the SFPD; it's around the country. And uh, folks at the Guardian, which is a newspaper, journalists, since the the U.S. has decided, or not even decided, they just failed to keep track of murders by law enforcement. Journalists, independent journalists, have decided to start recording as much information as they can. So at the Guardian, they have a project they started last year called The Counted, in which in which they ended up counting and keeping track of all the citizens, as many people as possible, certainly, because we don't know the full stories, um, citizens who have been murdered by the police. And last year, it was over 1,100. So far, I checked yesterday, in 2016, there were, I think, 386 people murdered by the police. And these are just people who have, that have been, that has been reported. And of course, this doesn't even include all situations. There are some times in which people are fleeing from the police, and they, and they die, and, and they would not necessarily be counted. Um, and I think people are beginning to wake up to realize that this is happening and 
I know quite a few people who have been harassed by the police and have had really negative experiences with the police. And that is definitely, I feel not even, that's a very minor way of even, even looking at it. Um, so there are a lot of folks who are very grateful that the chief has stepped down and this is just one small step in a, in a long way to go. And it's, again, the problem is systemic and getting rid of one, getting rid of the chief, that's one, yeah, it's symbolic. And there's also a really long way to go. So we'll be focusing the program on that today, uh, focus <laughs> a lot of the programs on that. And I have found it just it seems to, uh, every, every day I, it's, I read more and more and hear more and more reasons uh, to not trust police and to find a way to build a society uh, where we don't need them. And there's a lot of belief that communities can police each other, especially here in the Bay Area. We have a lot of these police officers who don't even live in San Francisco. They don't even live in Oakland. And they come in and they they cause harm in these areas and these communities where they do not have any connections. And they cause a lot of violence. And it's the exact opposite of what we're told they are supposed to do. We're told they're supposed to serve and protect. And what they do is they end up causing harm and fear and violence. And on top of that, the idea that the taxpayers are funding this gang is just so saddening and sickening. It's really ridiculous. So this is one step to have the, the chief removed. And we have a caller right now, and this should be uh, Lamisha Irizari on the phone. I'll get that. Hello. Hello. Hi, Roman. This is Misha Hi, from Misha. Study Foundation. Thank you so much for calling in. Yes. Thank you. So we started the show, and we were talking um, just about the police and how uh, we really do not need them. Yeah, really. So I don't know if you remember, but Chris Daly, when he was still supervisor, wanted to uh, replace the police department by the sheriff department. Mm -hmm. It would have been a step in the right direction. However, uh, my own belief is not reform, but abolition. I would love to do away with the police department. There are places in the world, like in Caracas, in Venezuela, there's a whole barrio in which the police does not come, where people police themselves. Yes. There is also in France, in Marseille, the whole Arabian quarters of Marseille, the police doesn't come in, they police themselves. Yes. So it can be done. Yes. But it can be done within a whole different economic context where we could be self-sustainable either by block or by city or by land where we would protect and and serve each other uh, i think the best example of that was move nine mm -hmm. in philadelphia before the feds bombed them yes and the reason why they were bombed is not because they were any kind of cult or or dissident is because they didn't rely on city resources they scrolled their own kids they dug for their own water they they generated their own electricity etc mm -hmm. same thing happened with waco in texas yes in waco the reason why they destroyed the whole compound with flamethrower 
toys with adults and, and kids inside is not because they were a cult. It's because they were totally self-sustainable. Neighbors of Waco were saying that they were actually very nice people. Mm-hmm. And there is a current example of that in the Bay Area. is Poor Magazine that is now calling themselves Homefulness. They uh, bought a piece of land in uh, on MacArthur Boulevard in Oakland. They grow their own food. They school their own children. Their houses they bought is totally to code. They had an art, architect um, donate the permits and the work. And the whole idea is like when you live off the grid, would it be on the land or in the city, in urban areas, is to be totally transparent. Do not let the power find you doing something illegal. Yes. And uh, uh, I'm a member of uh, Poor Magazine. I'm on the Elder Council. That I know for the past 15 years that I've been with Poor, we never, ever called the police. We protect and serve each other. When there is a situation, even a grave situation, the council meets with the offenders and the whole community, and we do not stop until we find a solution with each other, a plan of action to correct, to redress the harm that has been done. Yes. So it's totally feasible, but it's so much bigger than just suppressing a police department. Yes. Uh, what do you think the steps would be to, to have that in, in uh, cities? Well, there are some pragmatic steps that we can take. You know, the, 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 the Black Panther Party made it very clear that there were tactics and there were strategies. Tactics are immediate solutions that are reformist. Mm-hmm. And strategies are long-term solutions that we work uh, with towards the revolution. In terms of tactics, there are two very simple things that we can do at this point. Yesterday, the mayor appointed the interim chief yes. that was very cautiously uh, uh, suggested so that he would be the perfect person to do damage control. He is black and he's loved by officer for justice. He's seen as a progressive mm-hmm. and he seemed to be a fairly nice guy. However, we gotta be careful with that. Yes. Remember when Ferguson mayor appointed a new black chief who was gonna be like marching side by side with Black Lives Matter, it didn't last very long. Yeah. Same thing is Richmond when a black, uh, a white chief decided that he was a progressive marching with the protesters. It didn't last very long. So this nice guy in place could be just one, one pawn of the damage control. Yes. So only time will tell. I think that's what's important now. It will be approach, approaching the so-called uh, progressive supervisor at least four of them, Mar, Campos, uh, uh, Kim, Kim, and and, uh, and maybe Cohen, and ask them to put a motion on the ballot so that the chief would not be um, appointed, yes. but he would be elected. 
Yes, yes. And of course, that's an idea that the rich and white people would like, because then they can elect their own guy. Yeah. But at the same time, on our uh, side, at grassroots level, we can activate the jail vote, the people that never vote in jail, although they can, they vote in long-term facility, convalescent facility like Laguna Honda or Francisco General, those folks can vote. We can activate, uh, yeah, I said the jail vote, the homeless vote, who oftentimes do not vote because they don't know, you don't need an apartment or a hotel to vote. Yeah. You can just uh, give the address of the street corner where you stay most of the time. Yes. So if, and if you remember in February 2012, uh, no seat lie ordinance, passed because the poor didn't vote. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, black people traditionally do not have a good record of voting in the city because they think their vote is not going to change anything. We can activate the black vote. And we could potentially elect someone who would be not necessarily the less of two evil, but someone have decent and, and uh, that would be reducing casualties until until eventually we do away with the police. Yeah. Another thing that we can do that is pragmatic, and that is being done in a city in in the uh, East Coast, I can't remember the city right now, is that um, each officer upon starting to work in the department should purchase their own liability insurance. Mm. And actually, when you think that the entry salary right now for a cop in San Francisco is $90,000 plus benefits, so grossly $95,000. At GED level, mind you, they don't even need a high school graduation. They oh. can afford individual uh, liability insurance. Yes. And in that case, when they say it takes a quarter of a second, a quarter of a second to shoot someone, to make that judgment call to save your own life or the life of the public, if they had liability insurance, I bet you they would take more than half a second to shoot. Yes. Because they know that their premiums will be going off the roof. Yes, yes. So those are practical things that can be pushed through the Board of Supervisors to happen for the next election. Okay. It is not the solution to everything. Right. You know, to me, the cops, and you know, I have emotional reason to be allergic, allergic to the department. They killed my only child 15 years ago. Yes. They shot him 48 times. And he was alone, he didn't have a gun. But I don't think that the police is the extreme evil of all kinds. I think they just reflect our dark side. Mm. because they are created to protect wealth, white people, and corporate interests. Yes. But there's a lot of other uh, bodies in government yes. that are created to uh, protect wealth and corporate interests. Yes. They yes. only reflect that side of society. Yes. So would you like to speak a bit about the Idris Deli Foundation? Oh, sure. Thank you, Roman. Idris Deli Foundation was created uh, through the settlement of uh, uh, 
my son's wrongful death against city and county of San Francisco. And we opened our doors in August 2003, uh, two years after his death. We provide a 24-hour hotline, uh -huh. which is 415-595-8251. That's 595-8251. And we provide emotional support and also lawyers' referrals and uh, you know, understanding of the whole legal process of filing suit, and mostly like an ear. You know, I have a new client uh, this week whose uh, son was killed by a CHP, CHP officer mm. uh, 10 years ago. She could never find a lawyer. And, you know, here is a woman who never got vindication of her son's memory, and we're working very actively with her. Uh, Monday, we are hosting a press conference and a <clears throat> vigil for Nate Greer, who was killed by Taser uh, by Hayward Police two years ago. On Sunday, we are hosting Malcolm X National Day yes. on 3rd and Peru, and the Frisco Five, among other performers, are going to be there. Um, so, you know, we are support for the, for the community in terms of police accountability and transparency. And uh, Jeremy Miller, who I'm sure you know. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, he introduced he, us. He's uh, the host of a show on Mutiny Radio, I believe, uh, Heterotopia, yes. on Saturday night. He's the co-director. And uh, we have currently seven volunteers who are helping us. We are not a 501c3. We decided against it because we don't want to be an NGO that depends on city subsidies or federal subsidies, right. which would change the transparency of our agenda. Yes. So we are pretty much totally out of pocket. Wow. And we like it that way because we cannot be bought. Yes, of course. Wow. Well, thank you so much for, for the work that you You're have so done and welcome. continue to do. And thank you Very for speaking good. Actually, we have a family coming at 2 o'clock today to do signs and posters for a Monday event in Hayward. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, thank you again so much for, for calling welcome. in. You're welcome. Thank you, Roman. Yes, and we'll see you on Sunday. Great. Bye-bye. Wonderful. Bye-bye. So thanks again to Amisha Irizari for calling in and for sharing her story and for speaking about ways in which we can live uh, without uh, police forces and providing some examples. So we're playing, taking a bit of a music break. We'll be joined by uh, Laron Barton in a little bit, and we'll be sp speaking more a bit about uh, police and uh, ways, uh, just a bit of the history and ways in which we can uh, live without them. So huh, gonna take a bit of a music break. Uh, we'll be playing some Miles Davis today. And uh, yeah, keep on listening and we'll be back in a little bit.
welcome back to the weekly review. Whew. And coming up next, I'm going to read a little bit of a piece that was uh, written by Benjamin Box Sierra uh, that was posted in the uh, Justice for Amalcar Perez Lopez. And uh, Benjamin writes, with the love of a lion, share and share, the people fired SFPD Chief Sir. The corrupt spirit of the San Francisco Police Department has been smashed. It was not the politicians who fired the chief. It was not the billionaires that helped the poor. It was not the new techie hipsters that led us with their innovation. The people, the locos e locus, the roots fired the chief of police of the richest city on planet Earth. It was not the policies that reformed the police department. It was the movement on the streets. It was not the goodness of their hearts that made them change their minds. It was the blood on the concrete. R.I.P. Jessica Nelson, R.I.P. Alex Nieto, R.I.P. Mario Woods, R.I.P. Amilcar Perez Lopez, R.I.P. Luis Gongora, R.I.P. O'Shane Evans. There are more, too many more names to grieve, and mourn we must, and continue we must. There is only one way, not forward, but upward, for all of us. Some may ask, what does the firing mean? And I will respond, as always, spirit matters most. Now that the chief of police has been disgraced, all the police officers have been humiliated and humbled, which is good for them. Let them know how we constantly feel walking down the block, sitting in the classroom, and trying just to just live our lives. Now they will know they are not the gods they pretend to be. Now they know the power of the people. A black man has replaced ex-chief Sir. Allow the racist police to swallow that symbol. After having been so blatant with their bigotry, they must now accept orders from a person of color, from the type of person who they constantly kill. Or they must quit, or stay and be confused and angry and frustrated and doubtful and stressed. Their world has turned upside down. The old guard has fallen. For us, we can believe. It is a hard thing to hold faith, to believe in the invisible. The spirit of humans in their finest form, believe we can. For with nothing except our amour and action, we won the battle. With nothing but shouts on the streets, we beat the batons and guns. With the faith of locura, total illogic, we proved our genius over their books and intellectual or economic equations. A special grito to Amor for Alex Nieto, the Frisco Five, the Mario Woods Coalition, and all those grunts who created and held the front line. Consatos, uh, Benjamin Bach Sierra. Thank you. 
welcome back to the weekly review and i am here with laron barton laron is from kansas city and currently lives in san francisco laron is a writer and documents the movement Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. You know, it's my third time at, at Muni Radio. I'm always down to, you know, be a, be a guest of, like, community grassroots radio and just, you know, like, something that's away from the politics and away from, like, the corporate meandering, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Absolutely. Well, uh, so far, I mean, yesterday was a huge day here in San Francisco um, with another murder by the SFPD and the... Uh, Mayor finally uh, asking the the police chief to resign. Yeah, I mean, like it it only took you know a uh, a pregnant woman being uh, being killed, but I mean I'm I'm really sorry for uh, Jessica's loss. I mean the the fact that she's not with us and the fact that she was killed by police terrorists. I mean it's just it's a shame. I just felt that if Mayor Lee would have done the right thing a long time ago, then maybe her life wouldn't have been spared. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> uh, yeah, man. So, like, I was really excited. I mean, you know, one thing that I want to say is, like, shout out to the Frisco Five because I think that their contributions to, you know, getting Sir fired, I mean, or or forcibly resigned, I don't think that can be understated. I mean, you know, when I went, you know, when, uh, when I went to see them folks and, uh, and also uh, shout out to Edwin Lindo. Uh, he's a great, great guy. He's running for uh, supervisor of, of District 9. Please vote for him. Uh, you know, I was uh, really skeptical because, I mean, you know, the system that, that we live in, which is you know, racism, white supremacy, I, I thought that, uh, man, there's no way that they're, they're going to re- remove this guy. You know, I mean, they're just going to let these folks starve. But I just think that with the national attention and just with the fact that the the young lady was just killed. I mean, just without due process. I mean, that's in the yeah. fact that she was pregnant. I, I just felt that okay, maybe Mayor Lee couldn't just handle like this pressure and just in this and sort of shattering this um, vision of what San Francisco is to a lot of people on the outside, which is a, a liberal haven. It's actually a, one of the most racist cities I've I've ever lived in. So yes, I've I've heard that from quite a few folks. Absolutely. You know, it, it's funny, man, because. Uh, before I moved here, well, growing up in Kansas City, you know, I, I always wanted to come to California, you know, because of the the weather, the girls, the beach. I'm, I'm just like, yo, this is where I, I got to be. Yeah. You know, and it's like I always had this sort of affinity for San Francisco because I'm like, man, you know, I can go there, walk these hills. I don't have to drive because I'm a horrible driver. And it just, you know, you would just see people, you know, on TV and on movies, you know, hippies and people just having a good time. And so I was like, man, I, I can't wait to get there. So when I moved here in 2013, it was just radically different. Like it just... You know, maybe us techies, you know, ruined it. Maybe just the influx of capitalism and just kicking everybody out that was here that made the city great. But it's just not, it's not the liberal paradise that everyone thinks it is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm wondering what can be done to to change that and to get it back on track. And I'm sure those elements have always been here. I mean, some folks even talk about the gold rush as like, it's like the colonialism, it's, it's continuing to happen. It just looks, you know... It's different from reading about it than it is to experience it while we're a part of it. Right. You know, um, I always think about, like, the the gold rushes as just this sort of this migration of just, you know, black and Asian people into the city and and also with the Latino population, everyone just coming together to make this uh, wonderful melting pot. But if you got Gold Rush 2.0, which is, you know, which is like the 
the tech industry is just is forcing a lot of people that unfortunately cannot afford to live here to find residence elsewhere. Yes. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, when I first moved to the city, I, I was so frustrated uh, because finding an apartment here is just incredibly um, in, intense and it's cr- incredibly uh, – has a lot of comp- competition so i used to just be so pissed off at, at people who had rent control people who were standing in their apartments for like 20 30 years i'm all like man y'all need to move uh so so we can get those places but it wasn't until i realized that you know the city is just being ripped apart and and as you said uh colonialism and just um this new gold rush is really displacing a lot of people i mean just communities man i mean you've been living somewhere for 20, 30 years and you are uprooted. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's gotta be pretty uh, traumatic, you know? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots to talk so, about. Yeah. Yeah, there is, there is. And also just how everything is connected. Right. And I think that also, uh, you know, when, when people kind of move into a community and then for instance, if people decide to call the police or, you know, using that to harass their neighbors, Right. I know right. it's been help, help uh it's been happening a lot in, in Oakland. Certainly we heard about that like around Lake Merritt where right. folks would would call the police on people who have been living there for decades. That's crazy, right? I mean I remember like the uh the the very first time that I heard of something like that it was like uh Spike Lee was doing an interview and he was talking about his parents, I believe they still lived in Brooklyn at at the time and his dad played music uh, to like the wee hours of the night. And the new residents would call the police and say, hey, he's playing his music. And Spike was like, my dad's been doing this since forever. Yeah. How are you going to try to come into here and change the way things are? So it's that. I mean, it's that's probably like one of the main reasons why, you know, Brother Alex Nieto is not here with us yes, today. Yes, yes. Because of, you know, gentrification and just the... Uh, just a lack of regard for people that don't look like you or people that are not within your income bracket. Yeah. I mean, it's like going back to the word colonialism, you know, you're coming in and you're trying to change sort of a fabric of how things are. And it, it's, it's not up for you to really change that. Yeah. You know? So I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough thing, you know? Yeah. It, yes, it is. Oh, <sighs> So um, we'll see what happens with the the ousting of the police chief, right. and of course it's like one small. It's like a, it's good that he's stepping down, but it's still such a like it's like one small step in the whole grand scheme of things, which right. is it's really systemic. But where the problems are, yeah, man. Like I, I I'm really happy that you said systemic. You know, I I mean I'm just gonna be br- really honest here, Please. Roman. I think that we we need to do two two things. We need to realize that. It's not just some cops, it's all cops. Because if it wasn't, if it was just some cops, then this would not be happening all over the country, all over the world. It's a, as you said, it's a systemic issue that, um, that produces this, um, that produces cops that will will beat a woman, I believe her name was, uh, Marlena Pinnock, um, the older black woman that was beat by the, uh, by the California, uh, highway patrol person it's, it's a system that creates people that would shoot and kill a kai Gurley. you know it it creates a system that will lynch um eric garner on on camera i mean so 
we need to realize that it's all of them. Yes. And two, I, I think, and uh, and I've had some some pushback from this, but I think that we need to get to a point, man, where we should have as little contact with the police as possible. Yes. And I'm, I'm serious, man. I mean, like, every contact I've ever had with the police has been negative. Yes. I mean, every. Like, I, I cannot remember a time where the police were helpful to me. I mean, if there's an issue that can be resolved internally, you know, within community, kind of like what we were talking about before, like, you know, let's, you know, possibly pol- police our own neighborhoods. Let's yeah. just let's just solve things with without bringing in the police because all the police are are either they ratchet up the, the aggression on a situation or they're just here to just clean it up. Like there's really no de-escalation right, when right. it comes to the police. So I, I just think that we should just really move to just keep them as less involved in our, in our lives as, as possible. Absolutely. You know? I agree. I completely agree. And it is possible. Uh, Misha who called in earlier was talking about places around the world where they have just communities police each other. And right. even using that word, it's like communities, uh, they, you know, contact one another and they find resolutions within the community without bringing in outside folks uh to who end up bringing in the violence and escalating the situation yeah man i mean mean, because like look you know i'm i'm a firm believer that 95 percent of all situations can be talked out or handled non-violently yes i mean if you come at some somebody with some respect or if you just try to find a way to reason with them i I believe I believe that. Now there are some situations that you can't talk things out, but I I think that we've seen so many instances of us calling the police and the police coming in and either shooting someone, you know, shooting shooting the wrong person, or just simply you know brutalizing some somebody. I mean, it's there's too many examples of that, so. I just think that, you know, we need to really kind of think about, okay, you know, uh, and in 2016, again, a young pregnant woman driving a car, mm-hmm. mind, mind you, unarmed, she was, yeah. I don't think she was even read her rights. No. She's shot and killed. So, you know, Roman, for me, like, I'm, I'm just trying to just, just figure out, like, when are we going to get that? Like, like when are we going to understand that the police are not our friends? They never have been. Yeah. And it's a system. And just because, you know, your brother or, or your man's man's a, a good a good cop, you know, that, I mean, that's pretty much to me like an outlier. So. Yes. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And it's very frustrating to hear people defend, right. defend them and give the, the bad apples argument. Because yeah. if there were, I mean, I feel like it's, there have been the few cops I've heard about who try to then t- tell on the the corrupt officers, right. and then they end up being punished for it. Yeah, like I mean, I mean wasn't there? There was something that came out. Was it last week or was it this week that um, a cop tried to uh, tried to say something about uh, sort of nefarious activity, and, and that cop was was labeled a rat or snitch. Yeah, but like the police union, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean. You know what's crazy about that is like you know growing up where I grew up, you know you will see advertisements that say something like one eight hundred tail or just you know like crime watchers whatever whatever, and I find it ironic because you don't see cops coming forward mm-hmm. and telling on each other. I mean it's like look, you know everyone knows you know, like if you're a police officer you know who you know who the bad cops are. I mean it's you know you know what cops shady you you know you you know what cop is 
doing whatever. But if you're sworn to uh, protect and serve, then why are you not, you know, informing on that cop? I mean, I, I mean, I never under, understood. I mean, it's like you you tell us, you know, don't stay don't say stop snitching, but you're not going to be snitching on. So I mean, it's it, it's just it's this perverse culture and. I, I get so, and you know, like you, I, I get so angry at people trying to defend police. I'm like, police are killing us. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, just flat out, like, you know, black folks, brown folks, we are game out here. So, I mean, I, again, man, like, the police are not our friends, so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like every day there's, like, another reason to... Right to despise them and to not trust them. Right. I mean, Roman, in your opinion, like, do you think that within the next, say, 40, 50 years, the police can actually do anything to regain trust? Uh, they could all quit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would, I feel like that would be the best case scenario. Like, well, the ones who are violent, I mean, there's a part of me that's like a prison abolitionist. So on some regard, I don't believe in people going to jail, but I do feel like if the jails are going to be around, let's send the killer cops there. Right. It's kind of like, I don't, it's like, I don't, I mean, I feel like punishing, that's a whole other situation and discussion in terms of like punishment and how does one take care of violent offenders, especially law enforcement and, you know, war profiteers, like going the whole running the whole gamut of folks who cause a lot of harm and they're not the ones in prison. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say it's, there's that part of me that's an optimist and I do want to see good in people. However, I also believe the actions speak louder than anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a a friend of mine, Matt, uh, he said one of the ways that, uh, that police may stop killing un, uh, unarmed people is to, uh, attack their pensions. Mm, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and um, shout out to my friend uh, Al Alisario is. Oh yeah. Uh, wonderful human human being. Um, he's a uh, he's like a mentor to me, and he said, "Well, cops need to possibly take out insurance on themselves." Yes. So yeah. Instead of the taxpayer paying. So I mean, there's. I think that if we attack their pockets, mm. then then you know, I mean, or be it things such as, you know, uh, BDS, you know, what they're practicing or what they're attempting to practice in Israel. Yes. Yes. I mean, there, I just think that, um, in the system that we, that we live in, you know, money talks and, uh, BS runs a marathon. And if we attack the economic structure, then, then, then as I believe things will change because like, look, I think the only reason why that, that Ed, the Ed Lee decided to, let's just call him fire and sir is because the fact that San Francisco was getting such a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know cities like Chicago and New York that have just been notoriously, uh, rough on black and brown people when it comes to police. But like San Francisco's not supposed to get that reputation, right? It's just supposed to just be the tech hub and, and the hippie hate Nash, Nashbury, you know, the Castro, but it's starting to get that, that rep, um, for, you know, brutalizing people. And it's just like, he's like, hey, okay, what can we do to quell this? You know, well, the first step, I mean, the obvious step is to fire fire Chief Sir. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's like one plus one. Yeah. Two, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's what people have been saying for a long time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's been quite a while. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I'm so, um, oh, so it's interesting point about with the finances, and I feel like that's one way. Like, I feel like people should feel connected to this movement 
just based on all the violence that's caused. Right. And then and that's for the folks who only care about money or even just what a waste of, for people who aren't even going to listen to like that, the main, I mean, I feel like that's, that's like the biggest part is just sure. the human life at stake. Right. And for folks who, for some reason, can't get on board with that, <clears throat> there is the idea of like people who care about finances. Right. And so even just like, what a waste of taxpayer money it is <clears throat> to have these, you know, police officers. Like the other day, like maybe it was, I think a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, um, we were there was like an all day protest in front of City Hall sure. on a Monday and there were six cops who were standing out front of City Hall and then there were like barriers in front of them right. and thinking about all the money that goes into paying these people just to stand there and like it just seems right. like such a waste. Yeah, I mean I mean like think about um, all the tax dollars that have been spent in Cleveland to to have, uh, to defend the cop for, you know, lynching Tamir Rice. Oh yes, yeah. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. You know, you 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 bring up um, the man hours for the. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, sorry. Oh no. Um, something's in my throat. <coughs> okay. Uh, you you bring up the man hours that um, it takes to um, pay these cops to to stand outside. I mean, all this stuff can be remedied. I mean, just, I I I'm sorry. Like, I did not understand. Ed, Ed Lee's um, just refusal to, to to not kill this guy. I mean, I'm sorry, my bad. Not not to kill him. Sorry, <laughs> slip. But I mean, uh, um, to to fire this guy, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you, you just let's just think about it. Just within the past year, I mean, you have the Mario Woods uh, lyn- lyn- lynching. You know, you've had um, the racist text messages. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've had people that are willing to give up their lives for you to have some movement <clears throat> and also I'm, I'm and I'm gonna be so real here like I'm really disappointed at the lack of uh, <clears throat> okay got it I'm sorry <laughs> about the lack of um, black political figures mm. that have not spoken out about this mm. you know I'm not gonna name no names but it's just you know why haven't they been out there on the on the forefront you know, I mean, it's, dude, where, where is Kamala Harris at, man? I mean, she should be, she should be out here. I mean, the, the fact that they have not been visible, man, I mean, it just, it just goes to show you that, like, people care about jobs, you know, they care about money, they care about reputation, they care about upward mobility mm-hmm. more than actually attempting to solve an issue. And, and, and it's sad, man, because, I mean, it's just, you know, there, there's this clip from from The Wire that I absolutely love, and uh, you know, if anyone's ever not seen it, it's the greatest show that's ever been created. Jimmy McNulty rocks. <laughs> so, but there's a clip where McNulty says, you know, if everyone did not want to be a, become a judge, become a, a mayor, be, become a governor, then we could possibly get get some things done. Yes. And that's the thing, man. It's like you know, every you know, everyone. Oh my God, you know, I don't want to say this. This is this is career suicide. It's like, dude, you know, you're you're corny, like you know, just say so yeah, it's just politics as usual, man. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> it's, it's it's selfishness if instead of like looking at the the greater picture and Super the greater good, and it's about ego too. Yeah. Which is just a uh, it's a shame. Yeah, it's it's just that um. There's so many people that are suffering, and you know, there was a quote that you put on your Facebook wall. You know, it's like if you are silent or if you are neutral, then you're then you're part of it, man. I mean, you know, every one of us 
has to play up has to play a part right you know you can't i mean something like this you can't be silent about you know you can't be apathetic about yes you know just because this person may not look like you or come from where you come from that doesn't mean that you know it doesn't affect you because one thing about you know this this system is that after it's done devouring us it's gonna turn its attention to something else because it has a bottomless pit. It's going to stay hungry, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's going to eventually touch you. So you just got to just, you know, you, you, you can't stay on the sidelines. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm wondering what else it will take to get. And thankfully people are beginning to wake up. Right. It's just, it's long overdue. Too late. But yeah, too, yeah, exactly. Too late is right. And it's another article that came out recently was about the, in California, trying to get cannabis, you know, fully right. legalized. And the biggest uh, impediments to that have been the police and prison unions, which is like not a surprise, of course. I know, shocker, right? Um, so it's just, it's like in multiple levels in which the whole justice, and I say justice in quotation marks because it's the opposite of the justice right. system, like uh, just it it impedes just humans what just existing freely in this world and it's like the greed uh that just it stops people from just existing yeah you know um uh you know one of my really good friends um well actually a couple couple of my really good friends they live in colorado and every time they they come and see me i have just a laundry list of questions about how marijuana has impacted their economy how it's just impacted their their life and I mean, if you look at somewhere like Denver, they've got just this big cash surplus, right? I mean, it's just yeah. money for roads, money for schools. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's the economy's booming. I mean, you know, I I jokingly say that's the new gold rush. Yeah. I mean, and so, you know, I I understand why you know unions such as you know the prison guard union or the police union, whatever, they would oppose it because. Hopefully, uh, and I and I put this quote hopefully because I'm because I'm going to come back to this. It, uh, is it hopefully the uh, the re- the reduction in prison will start to shrink? I mean, it will start. You know, the the re- the reduction in numbers. I mean, it'll start to just just get really really low. Now, um, I I did read an article about a couple weeks ago um, about you know how in. In Colorado, you know, arrest for, I mean, I'm sorry, arrest for whites uh, with weed has been lower, but yeah. for blacks and Latinos, it's twice as high. So, you know, Roman, like I, you know, like you, I'm also in, in, interested in prison uh, ab- abolition because, I mean, I, I, I just think that uh, it should be totally re- restructured and kind of done with. So I've always been of thought in mind that, well, you know, if we legalize marijuana, then that will, you know, reduce arrest and reduce the prison population but it doesn't seem like that that's the um you know what's going on it's you know it it really made me sad because i'm like damn you know i thought that we had something that we could hang our hat on and you know now we got to go back to the drawing board you know yeah yeah very frustrating yeah it is it is absolutely well, let's take a little bit of a music break, and then we'll come back, and we can uh, discuss the, the article that you wrote Yay. and uh, quite a bit more. So stay tuned, everybody. And uh, we'll be back.
Welcome back to the Weekly Review. I'm here with uh, Laron Barton. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Thank you, man. I do having a wonderful time. I mean, I'm just really happy to just be here and to also listen to a, a Miles Davis song I never heard. I mean, like, Miles is life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah. He's kind of an amazing fellow, so. Definitely. Music just changes the, the mood so much, I find. Yeah. You know, like, uh, 50 Cent would always say, music marks time. And, mm. uh, I just remember, like, when I was coming up younger, like my mom, you know, she's pretty much responsible for a good chunk of my music you know, love. And uh, she would play Miles a lot, but she'd play more like the later stuff, like the bebop, you know, era. I mean, like, uh, not the bebop era, but like uh, the era that he worked with Easy Mo B, and, like the doo wop sound. You sort of like the, I'm sorry, the jazz fusion. So she, she was a lover of Miles, and, you know, I bought uh, Kind of Blue, and it just was. That that album changed my life. So. Oh it's yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? oh. It's pretty incredible. Dude, man. Definitely. Um, so you shared a piece online recently that was really great, and I was hoping we could talk yeah. about that a little bit. Let's let's definitely do it. Yeah. So the 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 title is uh, "My Heart Gently Weeps," and it was uh, published in the the Good Men Project. Right. Um, so the heart gently weeps. It's it's actually um, that title uh, for all the music nerds out there. It's a take on a, a Beatles song. I think it's either Beatles or George Harrison, but the song was called My Guitar. <laughs> you got it. All right, all right, all right. Rome is my guy. So, uh, no, so I wanted to talk about uh, colorism. You know, it's a topic that you know is really really close to me because I mean being a person that you know is a darker complected black person you know you are treated differently than say someone that is of lighter lighter skins you know I, I hate using like light skin but I mean someone that has a lighter complexion and I don't like to use the word fair because that's, that's kind of a racist term but um so when I saw the so the piece uh, originated because I saw a picture of the rapper Lil' Kim, and Lil' Kim, just, her skin was just so bleached, right? I mean, she looked Caucasian, and I'm like, wow, like, you know, this is a, a once very pretty black woman, and her skin had been, I mean, she had, throughout the years, had been sort of, you know, tinkering with her face, and I mean, hey, you know, if you want to get plastic surgery, that's your business, you know, we only get one life, right? And so... You know, I didn't, you know, I never minded that. I mean, I would never do plastic surgery because I love the way I look, but um, she had lightened her skin, and I was just like, wow, this is radically different from what she looked like. And I remember her saying years back, saying that she wanted to look like Pam Anderson because that's who she considered beautiful. And, you know, I think Pam Anderson is an attractive person, but just. Lil' Kim should not look like Pam Anderson. And so I just wanted to write a piece of about how in different communities of color, you know, people are, people with lighter, uh, lighter complexion are treated better. Mm-hmm. And I went and I talked about my experiences, you know, being young and being teased for being dark. And, you know, and again, you know, my mother really telling me, look, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're beautiful. I mean, ironically, my mother, who is a, lighter uh complected person she would often say man i wish i was darker so you know that that really instilled that uh confidence and that love in me and so um uh you know i just you know i just seen it throughout different cultures be you know southeast asian uh, being um 
uh, you know, uh, certain Caucasian cultures. I mean, even, you know, when you go to Italy, if you listen to how the Southern Italian is treated, because Southern Italians mm-hmm. are more of a darker, collected person, you know, they're often looked at as a swarthy or mistrustworthy, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just, just sort of just a reflection and just talking about just how, you know, skin tone and skin color and just the preference, I mean, it's just, it's, it's all steeped in racism. So, I mean, you know, I, I just wanted to just sort of get that across. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, there's a lot to, a lot to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's, and it's not to, to knock in anybody. I mean, again, you know, you know, like when I saw the picture of little Kim, I, I just, I felt like she was just, she's been, she's been victimized so much that, it made no sense for me to say anything negative about mm-hmm. her. I mean, because, you know, she's in so much, I mean, there's so much self hate there. And, 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 and again, man, like, especially like with, with black women, I mean, they're not valued as, as much as they should be. So I just wanted to just write something that just says, Hey, you know, you're, you know, you're beautiful. Whether you be a black woman, whether you be a dark complected Latina, dark complected, Asian, Native American, you know, uh, even a dark, like a Caucasian person. I mean, you know, the aim shouldn't be to be lighter. The aim should be that, you know, love yourself. And also, we need to start lifting people up. Yes, I mean, yes. There's a line in the, um, in the in the piece where I say, you know, we have to shout over racism. And I mean, it's true, man. I mean, you know, this isn't something that we can march for. You know, you know, you know what I mean. Like this is something that we have to internally fight and realize that, you know, someone like Naomi Campbell is as, you know, Naomi Campbell's skin tone is as beautiful as someone that has Beyonce's skin tone, and, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. You know, so. I think also just with women, there's like the there's like the intersectionality, there's the misogyny and the racism. Absolutely. And coming at it like just the different forms of oppression. It's, and then to also be a public figure, I can't imagine the the pressure that one must feel coming yeah. from like all sides, and even just existing in the world, let alone being a public figure, just to walk right. down the street and experience it. Yeah, I mean, like I don't, you know, I was talking with I was talking with a friend of mine. I told her I was like, you you know, men by nature are sexist and are misogynist. I mean, I will say that you know let me be 100 percent clear you know i am a misogynist sexist person and, and i have to work against that every single day <clears throat> because i mean as a man how can you not you know i mean you grow up in a society where they tell you you know men are number one to be a woman is is to be is to be lower you know we use insults like oh man you know you're such a you know you're such a pussy like you know that's a that that's a term for a, for a woman's vagina. So why is that why is that an insult? You know, you hit like you know you hit like a girl. I mean, even uh, you know I have a theory. Even a lot of our um, uh, sort of uh, anti-gay slurs and and actions are rooted in massage. Oh yeah, because it's like yo, because like you know at the end of the day, who wants to be like a woman, right? Yeah. It's just like anti-femininity, right? You know, dude, and 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 honestly, dude, yo, let me tell you, Roman, I'm gonna keep it so keep it all the way live. Sometimes, like, I'll look at a man and he'll be wearing like a dress, and I'm like, why is he wearing that dress? You know, but it's like I have to realize, I'm like, all right, yo, 
let's check yourself. You know, why is that affecting you? You know, let that man live. You know, it's so. Yeah, it's a, I mean, a lot of societal. It's like the right. brainwashing, either from the media or from religion or families or any any anything just this idea of like the hierarchy and i feel like that kind of falls into like capitalism this idea that someone has to you have to be like ahead on top of someone else and then right. also with like white supremacy that totally feeds into that this idea Absolutely. of people positioning themselves on top of someone else just based on the bodies that were born into right yeah it's it's just you know as you, you said uh, quite accurately it's brainwashing you know i mean it's it's like uh, I, I was having a conversation with a friend with uh, with a friend of mine, her, her, her and her partner, and we're talking, and I, 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 and I say, you know what, can you imagine what women would be like if there were no sexism? Oh. I mean, just, just, I mean, just keep it all the way live, right? Like, you, like, if there were none of those barriers, yeah. right, can you imagine what women could do if there was no sexism, if there was no misogyny, right? It's just like, I think that, you know, black and, and other non-white people will never truly reach our full potential because there's a system of racism. So just imagine you can live your life without that oppression. Yes. I mean, we don't know what women would do. Yeah. We don't know what they would be. I mean, because women, and this is just from what I'm seeing, like women are living their lives under this system that, you know, it's a lot of it's microaggression. A lot of it's, uh, you know, blatant, but mm-hmm. I mean, but it's always there. So oh, I mean, yeah. dude, and just, you know, just imagine if, if that wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, from my own experience as a, as a trans man, just living, uh, being, you know, socialized and viewed as female for the first chunk of my life up till I was 27 years old and just feeling the, the difference in how I'm treated when I'm viewed as male and the masculine energy and like the, the safety that I feel now and just the lack of bullshit. There's all, there's plenty of bullshit. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of bullshit that's like out right. there and oppression that's out there in varying degrees. And what's aimed at people who are on the more female or feminine side of the spectrum is just, there's so much violence and there's like so many, like so much microaggression and just based, it's based on someone's body right. and it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And again, it's like, it's also it's same with, with white supremacy, this idea of just, and it's so, it's just so revolting and to think about as the, the humans like where we could be right if we actually respected one another and didn't cause harm to one another yeah i mean like if if we if there wasn't this sort of this barrier i mean it's it's a barrier it's 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 there you know the um, i let me let me say like quick little story so my friend desiree she's a brilliant professor in colorado and she's teaching a class and she's saying, okay, hey, you know, what are you guys going to be doing for the weekend? You know, I'm getting ready to do some climbing, you know, go here, here. And one of her female students says, whoa, what are you going to take for protection? And all the male students, they were like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? Um, why does she need protection? Who does she need protection from? And Desiree says, from you, from from men. Mm-hmm. Like, so none of that ever um, registers to us. I mean, I mean it's like... Uh, my mom sometimes when she would walk to her car at night she would hold her keys in a a way to where if she got some static she would stab somebody Mm -hmm. you know so you know just imagine if if that fear was if that fear wasn't wasn't there yes i mean just be like yeah i mean i I could not even even imagine a world with 
without that type of oppression and, and that's and that's a sad thing you know? yeah and then on the on another scale we uh uh I, i'm very i guess i've had to like label myself politically i'd be like a uh, anarcho-communist if that i don't know but i feel very skeptical of the government as a whole and uh but this idea even of obama being in office what he could accomplish and i definitely am like skeptical of like i feel like almost coward being coward. almost like no matter who you have in, in office and this idea of what could have been done if there weren't the folks in Congress right. who were so opposed to him just even being there. You know, um, man, I, I really hate to tear down another an, another black man in public because, I mean, you know, we get that so much. You know, with that being said, man, I just – to me, Barack Obama is, is, is a coward. I mean, the fact that he has not properly addressed uh, police terrorism and the systematic white supremacy against – people of color, particularly black males who are the most targeted. I mean, it's it's a shame. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, because he has so much resistance in Congress. Yeah, but, all right, you know, that's that's a fact, right? You know, I will, I will not refute that. I mean, you know, like myself, Barack Obama, he's a, he's a victim of racism, so he has to go through that every single day. But the way that Barack Obama addresses black people is really interesting right you know he'll say things like well you need to work hard you know you need to pull yourself up on your bootstraps whatever it's like this respectability politics mm. and he's like saying well you know you can't blame blah blah and you know some of that's true you know i, I think that you know we we have to su- succeed in spite but it's it's almost like barack obama is saying well you know, you really have no excuse, and he's not addressing the barriers that are that are that are that are there. You know, him not having the support of Congress. There's no reason why he called uh, the uh, the uprising in Baltimore those people thugs. Mm. You know, there's no reason why he has not worked to lift the ban on marijuana. Mm. You know, I mean, there's. There's no reason why he has not uh, commuted more more sentences. Look, when he did the uh, the uh, when he worked on the the Fair Sentencing Act, right? You know, and if you know, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, what that is is that is that during the uh, the quote unquote drug war or the crack explosion, they the government en- enacted laws that um, that penalized people that had. I believe it was uh, one to please like one ounce crack is, is equal to 100 ounces of of, of cocaine and they would mm. get mandatory minimum so I mean that in right there that's the most racist thing I've ever seen yeah. in life because yeah. they know that the majority of people that uh, possess crack are are black and brown people or were black and brown people at the time mm-hmm. and so he reduced it it was 100 to 1 to 18 and 1 and while that's great what about retroactively um adjusting those those sentences yes yes. you have generations of people that have been lost due to a mistake so you know barack obama he preaches oh well you know well you know people make mistakes and you know in america you get second chance yeah but you're but you're not uh you're not helping people out realistically. I mean, I, I think he's uh, his community. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's well under 200. 
and and again, man, you, you know, I just I'm sorry. Like I I think that because he did not go down to Ferguson, he did not go to Baltimore. Mm. The fact that the Black Lives Matter protesters had to go to the UN mm. before they met with him, and when they did meet meet with him he said well be patient i'm sorry i can't be patient when my life is on the line here, yeah fam i yeah. mean like what like it, it just smacks of just this elitism just total disconnect mm-hmm. from you know the everyday life so i you know he he's done some great things man i mean you know the auto bailout the aca i'm not gonna say killing osama bin laden is 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 a, is a good thing because it's not and we still really don't know if he was in if, if he was chiefly re- responsible but just you know he's done a lot of great things but at the same time I mean, we, we we can't overlook his silence to us being killed I mean, we can't overlook the fact that he's you know him and his drone war oh drone, yeah drone warfare man it's just oh yes incredibly tough so yes it's just I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm just not a fan. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. Just, you know. And Guantanamo is still. Guantanamo is still open, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, but you know, one thing that I can say that uh, that I was really proud of is that he, when he enacted a law that that uh, you could no you could no longer uh, jail minors in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I thought that was really big. Yeah. Now, how about we just get rid of solitary confinement altogether? Yep. Yes, yes. It's torture. Super torture, man. I mean, (sighs) you know, studies have shown that that just disintegrates the mind so fast, man. I mean, just... But, dude, like, we can talk about prison and the fact that it's punitive and the fact that it's not uh, it's not rehabilitative all day nope you know? I would never I do we do we could talk about this 24 hours bro. yeah oh yeah yeah <sighs> dude um, so uh, Roman I, yeah. uh, I, I have to ask you I mean yes. I'm, I'm just gonna take a wild guess yes here, but, <laughs> but uh, I take yeah. it that uh, you probably will not be voting for Hillary or for Donald Trump no <laughs> how did you guess you know, dude, just like stabbing. No one's asked. No one's asked my opinion yet, which is funny because everyone's posting online every day in my news feed. Um, thankfully, I don't get. There's like I don't think there's anyone on my feed that supports Trump. There are folks I know who support Hillary. There's a lot of folks who support Bernie. There's some folks who support Jill Stein, and then I talk to people about that. And they're like, "Who's Jill Stein?" And I'm like, "Fucking shit," because it's you know it's like Green Party. Hello, there's more than you know. There's more than these two parties out there. And then, of course, there are the folks where it's like, it doesn't matter, let's burn the whole thing down, which I also, I can definitely, I, I, I hear that. that. I can see that, man. I mean, you know, it's it's a shame that someone like Jill Stein is not being listened to as much as someone like Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. Because, I yeah. mean, she's, you know, I mean, she's a true, and, and, I, and I hate to use the word revolution or revolutionary because it's such a vague term. I mean, like, you know, no one can, no one can act really tell you what it is, but if I can pin that word on someone, I would say Jill Stein. I mean, she's the only candidate that is for reparation. Yeah. I mean, you're like, you know, that's some real shit. Excuse mm-hmm. language, but... Oh, no, you're welcome to... Yeah. Fantastic. No, no, no censorship here. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, you know, she's not... I just feel like that if we got money out of politics, I mean, I know that's probably wishful thinking, but if we got money out of politics, then maybe she could be listened to. But, man, Hillary's got so many donors and just... Yeah. And you got the GO group giving her money, which, by the way, um, 
owns private prisons. Yep. So think about that. Yep. You know, you you, you got just like Ron Conway giving her money oh yeah and then there was like the, the activist was in Honduras who was murdered yeah um, and then there were claims that she was connected to that so dude yeah uh, can you tell me a, a little a little bit about that I don't I don't really know that that much about that I, I know she was a, uh, she was a pretty prominent activist yeah um, just an environmental activist and read the story on the show this is a few months ago um, I don't have it I would have to look at my computer and I'd rather uh, not speak if I don't know the exact right. facts but Absolutely. yeah an environmental activist who was very uh, inspirational and got a lot of stuff done and she was murdered and folks are making the connection between uh, Clinton or some groups that Clinton is connected to um, with with this person's murder man dude Hillary's just shady. Like, yeah. you know, the uh, the thing about Hillary Clinton, and, and this is um, this is you know what I, I I constantly say is like, you know, I I would not vote for her because the fact that she takes money from private prisons. I mean, as a person that that aspires to be an abolitionist, and the fact that there's so many people that look like me that are being locked up, there's no way that I can support a candidate that takes those kind of donations because Mm -hmm. no one's going to give you money just because you're cool right right you know people are going to give you money because they're like hey look you know what this person's gonna owe us a favor yep he or she's gonna do something scratch my back and and, yep dude exactly so she's gonna have um sort of uh an interest to increase laws to you know make things i mean just to imprison more people right so not only that but just you know let's say uh let's say you're like oh Laron, you know you're you know you're bugging you know everyone does it i'm like okay all right so let's just look at some of the things she's done you mean the fact that she she voted for the I- iraq war which is just horrendous mm-hmm. and it's one of the things that will never ever end i don't i don't i don't care what you, what you say she was against lgbtq uh you know marriage now she's for it um she was for the Trans-Pacific uh, partnership. Now she's against it. Um, the fact that she championed the 1994 crime bill, called me and people that look like me super predators. <sighs> now, now she denounces it. I mean, we could. I mean, we can go on and on. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the fact that she even voted to have not. Call, I mean, she didn't call it a wall. She called it a offense around Mexico. I mean, she, I mean, it's disgusting. All this stuff and everything that I say can be verified. Look it up. Yeah. You know, but she's supposed to be uh, a proponent for, um, for some type of, uh, you know, good immigration policy. I mean, it, it, it doesn't add up. Now you may say, Oh, and I've, and I've heard this many times you say, Oh, well, well, you know, Laron, I guess you want Trump in there. That makes me so. This has happened to me my entire life, ever since I've been voting, because I'm like a Green Party supporter or third party, you know. And if I say I don't support the Democratic nominee, people assume that I must be. And I'm like, are you serious? Right? Like, <sighs> yeah. It's yeah. so stupid, dude. Oh. I, I mean, it's like, I'm no, dude. Like, Trump is was on a reality show. Like, he's no, he's not. He's not someone that I would vote for as president. I mean, he's not someone that says oh, we need to ban Muslims. I mean, you you. For one, that's just not realistically po- possible. But I'm not gonna vote for someone that that says ridiculous stuff like like that. You know, how 
why does it have to be either either it's or? the binary and then that goes into gender too with this this idea of the binary that something that some there's like even though we're all complex beings and i feel like gender is fluid and sexuality is fluid we're taught that the things have to be one way or the other with total disregard to the fact that we live in this incredible world where things can go any sort of way and the idea that you have i think it's also an illusion of choice that you can only like coke or pepsi or like i don't want to drink right. soda at all or you know whatever right. <laughs> this idea that it's like one thing or the other and especially with you know male and female i feel like that's just a it totally denies the existence of intersex people for instance right right and yeah. just this uh just a, a just it's uh very reductive absolutely like you know there's got to be another another option man and I just, um, look, you know, we live in California, Roman. I mean, we're, it's going to go to the Democratic mm-hmm. because there's no way in hell people in California would even vote for Trump. I mean, just Bakersfield. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bakersfield. Uh, and also maybe Oceanside and or uh, and or Santee. But but I mean, still, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it's not going to happen. But just, you know, something that uh, Rosario Dawson said, she said, you know, I'm tired of voting against someone yes i want to vote for someone and i just i don't think that i mean hillary is just she's just she's not consistent she's comes off as just untrustworthy i mean the fact that how she talked to um the protesters when she's coming i mean just so condescending just swarmy and just not not okay i mean that you know i mean just the fact that she has not um sort of Apologize for how Bill Clinton talked to uh, talked to the Black Lives Matter protesters. I mean, that says a lot. Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that says a lot. I mean, I don't care, you know, if if she's in a black church swaying back swaying back and forth. I'm, I mean, who who cares? Yeah. Like, like, what about uh, what what about protection from the from these police terrorists? Yes. You know, you know what I mean. Like, you're like, what about jobs? So, I mean, I, you know, what about you uh, legalizing marijuana? You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, what about you just totally getting out of the private prison business without someone having to bring this to your attention? Yes. You you know what I mean? She accepted over $130,000, but yet now all of a sudden she's saying, oh, well, I'm not going to accept that money. That's, yeah. that's bull job. Yeah. You, you just got caught. Someone called you out. They put pressure on you. And so now you're going to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't do that. You it just smells bad yeah but if people want to vote for her man sure knock your socks off yeah and i do feel like she's being pushed to the left by the by bernie by the bernie supporters and realizing that oh the people really don't like the way things are going and also just to just to also recognize that yeah there is a lot of misogyny which is playing which is unfortunately being used against her and (laughs) i feel like it's uh, I look at someone's record, you know, like Margaret Thatcher, like I'm, I'm all for, first of all, ideally not to have any leaders at all. We could all just get along without any leaders, right. first of all, but I would love to have, of course, like female, you know, more female Absolutely. leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. But it has to be someone whose ideas I really respect and whose behavior I respect. Brother, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, someone's behavior. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, but you know, you know, what do you, what do you do? Do you think that, I mean, if Hillary does become the nominee, do you think she can beat Donald Trump? She does have a lot of, uh, she has a lot of connections. Right. She has a lot of connections. Um, yeah, uh, she's got Debbie, um, with the Lots DNC. Of, uh, oh yeah. Ugh. Oh, oh, the I whole, it makes me crawl. so, it's so, it's like the illusion of democracy. Super. It's, yeah. it's so, 
Ugh. I, I'm getting, <laughs> I I'm getting, I just feel like, I, know, right? I like feel slimy so. and, and, and gross. And it's also just sad to see, especially like around election year. And also it will fault myself for this as well. But like the idea that people get so involved with the presidential election, yet not so much with local elections, local elections or local right. politics. And if people were to put that much energy and effort and passion into what's happening locally, um, yeah. imagine that that kind of impact it would have instead of just this every four years. Absolutely. I mean, you know, look, like, Someone once said, like, uh, all politics are local, right? So mm. I think that we should pay attention to, you know, who the mayor is, who who, who the governor is, you know, what mm. um, what uh, what laws are, 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 are coming to you, like, what measures, um, you know, we should be concerned about who our supervisors are, mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Yeah, we got some... We got some creeps over here in San Francisco. Dude, yeah. I mean, you know, oh. bro, I, I can start naming them. But I, oh, yeah. Uh, Scott Wiener, Mike <laughs> Farrell. We can, we can name them. We'll name names. You know what, man? Like, uh, it's, a, it's so funny, dude, because, like, I, I saw Scott Wiener for the first time. He was at an NAACP dinner, and he, he just looks so, un, so uncomfortable. He just kind of looked like a clown. But, but, but I mean, you, you know, I, I don't know too much about him. I, I know that I think he's going against – uh, Jane Kim, mm-hmm. who is awesome. She had the best political ad I've ever seen in my life. I mean, look, Jane Kim's a fighter. I'm, I'm, I'm voting for Jane Kim. So, mm-hmm. want me easily. Yeah, I mean, just even the with the supervisor standing up to have the chief, the police chief fired, right? and then both Scott Weiner and Mark Farrell posted on their pages their their support for the chief. How do you do that, fam? I mean, like, how do you like? I, I'm sorry, like, I just, I don't understand people that support it, sir, man. I mean, you know, it's, there was just way too many things that happened on his watch mm-hmm. I mean, for him to even have a job. Like, just, it's incredible how some people will just have this cognitive dissonance. Yes. Just not just be like, hey, you know what? I'm supporting him. Like, did you read what Wiener said as to why he still supported, sir? Yeah, I read his his Facebook post, and I was like going back, and and then kind of like I, I've been figuring out how much time I want to spend arguing right. with people or right. disproving them or, you know, just checking people on their facts, on those pages. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I don't follow him on Facebook. I don't follow him on Twitter, but I was just curious to just see like what just like what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't follow him, but I was like through some other groups. I was like referenced to his because I refused to like quote unquote like his page, <laughs> but to, I saw the post, and a lot of it came out as an attack against Jane Kim because Jane Kim spoke up against Chief Sir, and since they're both running for Senate, I think he used right. it as a as a way to attack her. Yeah, that's that's really lame, and like you're you're stepping on dead bodies to attack someone you know it's funny like because i was uh first time i met jane kim i was in the castro and i was hanging out with 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 some friends and she was campaigning and i was like hey what's going on my name's Lon, yada, yada. and she's like hey i'm running for you know, this and i was like first thing i asked her i was like okay uh what are your plans uh, about stopping pol- police terrorism mm-hmm. and she was like okay let me tell you what I'm gonna do, and she started running stuff down. I was oh, like, right on. Hey, yo, 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 you got my vote because she she wasn't razzled, you know. She knew. I mean, and it, you know, DNG like you know something like that. I I've, I've been saying recently, like you know, freedom is expensive, right? So I say that because you have a lot of people that have not stood up and said anything vocally about chiefs are re- resigning because they don't want to lose their positions. Mm-hmm. Because, because again, man, I mean. 
you know, you don't want to lose that job. You don't want to yep. lose those endorsements. Yep. I mean, dude, it's expensive. So I, you know, I really support Jane Kim coming out and saying, yeah, this guy needs, guy needs to be fired. You know, I mean, finally, like, what was the one guy, uh, the other supervisor who finally came around? Uh, is it Campos? Campos? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, finally. Yeah, I mean, he I, came to the. There was a community meeting. I remember that was happened like right. Um, that was after Luis Congora was was murdered. There was that that meeting, the community meeting, um, where many folks were lined up and they were just like yelling. I mean, not right. yelling, but like also just speaking to the police chief and just demanding that that things change. Yeah, man. Um, do you think that? Um, well, well, let me ask you this: What do you think Ed Lee's legacy is going to be when he finally leaves office? Ooh. <laughs> It's not going to, I mean, it's how do people choose to remember history and what do people, right. I mean, people will defend, uh, and that, and that's, that's a shame is that there are the folks who are, there's plenty of folks who, who think he's a coward and think he hasn't acted and that he's taken money and that he's run the city into the ground right. and hasn't stood up. And then there are the folks who want to look the other way and right. say, oh, well, nothing that he's done has affected me negatively. So right. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. You know, man, I I was kind of um, indifferent to Ed Lee until the Super Bowl. Oh and God! We, and I was like, wow, this guy needs to go. The homeless sweeps is just yeah, that sick, was ridiculous. I, I mean, I didn't vote for him. I voted for uh, gosh, I forgot the the, the Latino gentleman's name. But, oh, Francisco Herrera. Uh, yes, sir. Um, is there, um, shout out to uh, shout out to Fran- Francisco. Oh yeah. I, uh, he's been re- he's been retweeting my, my articles, so yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know, he's you know, been he's, here, yeah. He's, 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 he's a wonderful guy. Yeah, you know, dude, like the the homeless sweeps. I was like, man, wow. I mean, I, I dude, Roman, I never seen nothing like it in my life. I mean, it was so bad. It's terrible. It's yeah. It's there's there's no excuse for it. There's really there's really no excuse for it at all. Yeah. So. Ugh. I mean, that's something else is just how we continue to tell the story. And it goes back to the whole idea of like, with brainwashing and like the history books and how it's like the colonizers who went at the murderers end up telling the tale of how things went down. Right. And the folks who are removed uh, don't have a chance to either speak or to be heard or to let their right. stories be told. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, you know, honestly, Roman, that's one of the reasons why that I do what I do. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a community or- organizer. Um, I'm not a... a person that you know uh just sort of like is in the political realm i just record what's going on you know because i mean uh documentation is very important yes oh yes and when i was trying to figure out my role in the movement you know i would go to meetings i would i would march i would and it just didn't really feel like it was me but you know i'm i'm a writer so i wanted to accurately record what was going on and not have it perverted and or distorted Mm -hmm. you know and so you know i I just i've just been doing that ever ever since man i mean you know hopefully you know 40 50 even 100 years from now you know someone will will ask hey you know how was it you know and they'll possibly choose my you know my essays and um and they'll kind of get a glimpse you know yeah right on so where can folks check out some of your work yeah man so uh they can go to um www.mainlinepub.com that's uh, that's my website it's my, it's my little publishing company Mainline Publications you can also catch my weekly column on goodmenproject.com it's okay. a wonderful site man love good men just you know lots of love from those folks and uh, you know uh, my next piece is coming out it's going to be talking about why I don't think men should buy sex so I'm anti I mean 
I don't like me personally. Like I'm not for prostitution. I, I just I think that it's a it, it is a form of a, of oppression. And plus, man, man, we shouldn't have to buy it. I'm sorry. So it's going to be sort of broken up into two parts. Why I don't think that we should uh, buy sex. And then I'm actually talking to a guy that 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 actually buys sex. He's like, yeah, man, I'm a trick. I'm I'm a John. This is why I do it. So it's going to kind of get the peek into that world. Huh, okay. It's going to be pretty interesting. And uh, also, I, I, I want to give a shout out to, um, you know, again, the Frisco Five, one, wonderful folks, uh, my girlfriend Michelle, who edits my pieces. And I don't know if you know this, but this Sunday, um, it's going to be the uh, Malcolm, Mal- X Day. Malcolm X celebration, yeah. you know, celebrating the uh, greatest man to ever walk the earth. And, uh, and, and you know, it's going to be lots of fun. You know, we're going to be down there. Uh, giving away food i believe it's the kenneth harding jr organization mm-hmm. you know working with blue tracy alisario just a lot of really awesome people selassie one of the frisco five yeah amazing dude he's going to be down there and just you know everyone just come down it's I believe it's a third and Palu. Yep, yeah it's third and Palu. so you know everybody just come out and just you know celebrate i mean it's i mean the celebration of Malcolm X. I mean, Jesus, like it doesn't get no better than that. You know what I mean? So I believe it starts at one o'clock and it's from one to four. So would really like for you guys to come down. Excellent. Cool. Thanks so much for, for coming in. Dude, it's been a blast, man. Straight Excellent. Up. Cool. Well, we'll wrap up the show with some more Miles Davis yes. and uh, stay tuned. Uh, so women's magazine uh, will be next. I'll be sitting in for global Val, and actually we'll be talking about sex work. Nice. So nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, stay tuned to Mutiny Radio, and, yeah, have a great rest of the Friday, everyone. Thank you.
you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission Hive vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. 
select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son. Physical merchandise and live music promotion. Go to www.subliminalsf.com. 
Clubsandbars.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy and this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. But you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at podcasts.pcrcollective.org. So come live or listen later or to every happy hour mic Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Radio FL Mutiny Radio. I just fucked that up again. What the 